the following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope. I am your host, former Dirt Sheet writer Lee Walker, and I am joined by some of the greats of Perched. I have from Perched Gaming, Twitch, the YouTube video editor, the guru, the adorable one, Alex. And alongside Alex is the Perched correspondent. You can find him at any event from AEWWE Impact Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Don't forget yeah, Dan Housen Mania. Shut the and fuck Dan up. Dan Housen Mania. Also a vlogger, Justin Largito. Justin, Alex, boys, how are we doing today? Doing well, my guy. Doing well. Just got off of work, you know. Figured I'd come talk some pro wrestling with the boys. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of pro wrestling and Justin being such a big fan of Dan Housen Mania coming up. Let's talk about some uh, other nightly ghouls and ghosts of the wrestling world that we've seen. And uh, some white rabbits. Justin, why don't you tell us all about that? Yep. Before I get started, I just want to point out, fuck Danhausen, fuck your Danhausen mania. But anyway, the white rabbit continues to hop around WB television this past Monday on Raw. You know, the usual deal during the commercial break. We had the red light, the Jefferson Airplane, White Rabbit playing. <laughs> Justin can't stop laughing because Lee is still very offended that Justin said fuck Dan Housen Mania. This is his face right now. Is ridiculous. I know, I almost can't tell if his screen is frozen or not. It'd be even funnier if it was. It, it would, but anyway. So we had Jefferson Airplane playing the, during the commercial break. And we got another QR code this week during the Rey Mysterio-Seth Rollins match that visibly appeared on the screen, uh, not even two seconds. I I missed it at first. I I had to go back and look at it. But it brought you to a video, which was, it was a bunch of segments from WB's past kind of meshed together. And, you know, it did the, who killed the world? You did. Feed your head, feed your head. That whole deal. But at the end of the video, we saw what appeared to be a zip code. And me and Alex were trying to decipher this all night. During all night. We were on top of that shit real quick. Right. And the numbers that flashed on the screen were 40701, which if you type that in, it comes back to Corbin, Kentucky. Which I did a little bit of research and we realized that that area... In that area, the last time that Bray Wyatt defended a championship was when he was Universal Champion, and he defended it against The Miz. So, possible clue there. And also, right in that area, there is a hotel called the Wyndham Corbin. And from what I looked up online, I haven't been able to confirm this yet. It's widely speculated that um, Bray Wyatt's last match as Bray Wyatt, before he became The Fiend, was actually against Baron Corbin, which, I mean, that would have lined up because Bray Wyatt would have been a face at that time. He would have still been a baby face. That was uh, before he disappeared. He was like coming off of like the Bray Wyatt, Matt Hardy tag team stuff that he was doing. 
So, I mean, that adds up. I'm just trying to confirm that we'll have more on that later. Right. And then me and Alex, before we, after we looked into Corbin, Kentucky, we started to sit there and think, maybe it's not, maybe it's not a zip code. We're supposed to be looking at it as maybe it's a date. Maybe it's numbers. You have to add and subtract to get something. Cause I was thinking about that too. I was like, okay, maybe Bray Wyatt's like a four-time world champion, blah, 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 this, that. It didn't make sense to me for a while, but uh, also, if you look in Corbin, Kentucky, there is a there's a place called White Rabbit Records. And, you know, you figure that's OK. There's the White Rabbit teaser for the week. White Rabbit Records. haha. <laughs> but if you go to YouTube, you type in White Rabbit Records and they have a YouTube channel. The thing that's very interesting about this, there's two videos, the Jefferson Airplane music video for White Rabbit, which was uploaded 15 years ago. So long-term storytelling here and another video that was uploaded during raw, which shows the new zip code of zero four zero six two. Now you type that in, where does it take you? Why it takes you to a nice little town in the state of Maine and it's called Wyndham. Hmm. Decipher that how you may. (laughs) Now, what I'm thinking is, is it might not necessarily be anything that gives it away so much as to what's going on, as it is more just kind of giving us more clues and more insights that we will eventually kind of have to add together throughout all of these promos that go on between now and whatever the end game of this story is. Well, I mean, I'm hoping that the end story here is Ray Wyatt, which I mean seemingly it's what we all think i would i would assume is that a fair statement boys we've talked about it a thousand times already there's oh, just for sure my mind at this point yeah well but it's these... funny too because they kind of they kind of threw a little swerve into this past week's segment too because there was somebody on facebook that went and they put that zip code i believe it was into like a um like a code decipherer and what it actually did was brought up lyrics to a song what it was was the first two lines of Alistair Black's WWE theme song. So then that got everybody talking even more, which ended up leading to Mal- Alistair, Malachi Black, Tommy End, whatever you want to call him, uh, actually uploading a, a video to TikTok, like tearing apart people who were making up stories while also confirming that he's still in AEW. Yeah, and speaking of that, uh, we know that Malachi's not leaving AEW now because of that and there was a uh, buddy Matthews at an independent show seemingly saying hey I'm going to be gone for a while which led speculation to believe oh he's leaving too which brought Tony Khan out to come out and say hey I'm not releasing anybody no one's ever basically no one's getting released uh, to which buddy Matthews had to explain that he's going home because of uh, uh, work visa stuff so bro, when doesn't that man have work visa issues yeah didn't he just come back from a visa issue like i feel like every time he disappears everyone's always like yeah it's a visa issue and then he's like yep like that's got to be whatever he's going through with his work visa has got to be a huge pain in the ass because i feel like he also had to disappear from wwe for a little while when he was under contract because he was dealing with a work visa issue then too yeah it also happened to the iconics as well which you know they're all from the same same country so like, yeah damn. point point here don't try and come and work in america if you live in australia it's a pain in the ass like holy hell but uh yeah so when you know 
there's that, but like the brace stuff, like it's it's almost this is the neatest way I think they've ever done something like this. But I also want to say like you can figure out how to use a QR code for all of this crap, but as figure collectors, we can't get you to get fucking Bret Hart to go into the goddamn studio and make a face scan. Cause this is fucking terrible. <laughs> I can't deal with another bad Bret Hart figure. It's bad enough. There isn't a single face scan that's decent of Owen Hart. While one is still alive, get a decent fucking face scan, please. And thank you. At this point, it kind of looks like they're just face scanning the Bret Hart from the Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Every Bret Hart scan, I'd probably give a four out of 10. It, I wouldn't put it in my top 100. Face time. It's kind of hard to do a face scan after you've had a stroke. They did it with Jim Ross. <laughs> That's fair. I'm just throwing shade at Brett. I'm not. You know I'm how, not trying to be a dick, but I'm just like, dude. Oh, I am. I am. You know how I am when it comes to fucking around with Brett Hart. Like, holy fuck! Like a decent face scan would be would be nice for a Brett Hart figure. I'd like to like remember the guy with a de- one decent freaking figure. I mean, even the Hasbro's look terrible. I mean, and those are as bare as you can get. Holy hell. You know, I I thought it would be simple to make a face scan. But then again, math isn't really that simple either. So, Alex, why don't you take it away? Uh, Yes. So, everybody here knows that I'm a huge fan of vintage, retro, classic TNA. Um, and, And one of the best promos in my opinion to ever come out of tna we referenced it during the most recent 10 second challenge game on smacked raw boys with kai tai v will gray and aaron um was the scott steiner math promo that he had in tna um when he was supposed to face samoa joe and kurt angle i believe it was for the tna world championship uh at sacrifice justin help me out what year was it uh, 2008. 2008. Thank you. Um, so as we all know, Scott's in the back. He's with, uh, I believe it was Rocket Khan and Petey Williams. And he was going over <laughs> Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe's chances of winning. And as we all know, Samoa Joe only has a 33 and a third percent chance because Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me. So fast forward, you know, about almost 15 years later. And we have a segment on NXT this past week, and that's right, NXT, because it is no longer the shitty NXT 2.0. It has a new name, a new logo, and some stupid paint splatter background still, but we're working on it. That, so, that could change next week. So What'd you say? That could change next week. One could only hope. Back to being live again. One could only hope. So essentially last week we saw Ilya Dragunov make his NXT debut after being gone for not too long of a period of time with that injury that made him vacate the NXT UK championship. So he, uh, he disappears. He comes back this week during a promo again, during a promo between Braun Breaker and JD McDonough, formerly known as Jordan Devlin, um, Jordan Devlin, JD McDonough, currently the number one contender to the NXT championship. Ilya Dragunov pokes his head into all the fun. Braun Breaker makes a point and he goes, so he goes, you are the number one contender and points to JD McDonough. He points at Ilya Dragunov. He said, you never lost your championship, which the crowd started to roar to because 
I don't know about you guys, but it's hard to find many other people that are more over in that company than Elia Dragunov. Um, and so he goes, if my math is correct, which it always is. And before he could even say anything else, the crowd started getting hyped up because NXT crowds are basically the same type of people that used to go to TNA shows. Right. Um, and so they start chanting Steiner math and Braun Breaker looks at JD McDonough and he goes, you only have a 33 and a third percent chance of winning. And the crowd starts chanting Steiner math, Steiner math. And it was, it was one of the best, funniest NXT segments I've seen in a very long time. That brought out the announcement by Braun Breaker that they're going to make the NXT championship match a triple threat match at Halloween Havoc. Braun Breaker, JD McDonough, Ilya Dragunov for the NXT gold. That's going to be an insane match. Oh, dude, it's going to be. They're all great. That's going to be a high-octane, high-paced, fast-paced match. Yeah. And My only complaint is that Tyler Bate is not involved. I'm upset that he's getting the shaft in all this. See, I think it's a good thing for him, though, because at the same time, we know that if Tyler Bate was in that match, he's not going to win yet. It's not time. It, we're we're going to start seeing signs of time when we know that it's eventually Braun Breaker's time and he's going to go to the main roster. Really? And we haven't seen like that sign yet because usually you either – you, when someone's getting called up to the main roster and they're about to lose the NXT championship, it gets built to a very, very big match. And if it's a top guy, it's usually WrestleMania weekend. So with them not showing any signs of that yet, and without Braun Breaker making any more sporadic appearances on the main roster, I don't think it's time. So Tyler Bate would not win that match. So I think they're better off suited to have him win against some other top guys in NXT and then build him up to when he actually does win, which should be a one-on-one match between him and Ilya Dragunov, seeing as in he never beat Ilya for the title. Give it to me, please. <sighs> you know, I like Braun Bray Steiner. Sorry if it looks like a Steiner, walks like a Steiner, Steiner talks like a Steiner, and is a Steiner. I'm calling you Steiner. Great talent, but I'm a little upset by the photo of him and uh, Cora out to dinner. I was unaware that they were like a thing or have become a thing or any of the sort. A little jealous? Uh, Y'all think? Do you think Cora calls him Braun Breaker? Oh, you know that joke's been made. If she has any sort of abnormal psychotic sarcastic sense of humor yeah that joke has been made so basically if she's like you yeah well or he's made it too i'm sure they both have made it well, i'm sure honest. he's i'm sure he's been flipping her breakers Jesus yeah Christ. yeah doing something Woof. man you know, this is the kind of content that gets us blocked, guys. <laughs> kind of like yeah. how Teddy Long uh, went on a blocking spree recently on Twitter. Uh, before we get into anything of that, uh, I did hear that he lost his wife recently, uh, but he put out a video um, about all this blocking because he, he started trending. And he was at the gym. He put out a video that... Uh, you know, I'd recently lost his wife. He was at the gym, you know, still being a hustler, yada, yada. 
someone he must have said something that someone didn't like or didn't follow somebody or pissed someone off on Twitter uh, for them to hack him and then blocked just about everybody he followed, including us. Mm-hmm. Yes, Teddy Long follows us or did follow us anyway. I should check to see if we're unblocked. I haven't done that yet. I'll check right now. But um, yeah, that was... Uh, so he put out a video statement saying, you know, he didn't block anybody and he had been hacked. But we know all about getting hacked, don't we, boys? Uh, we are we are still blocked by Teddy Long. Okay. Come on, right. Teddy. We love the tag team matches. I know, Teddy. If you don't unblock us, you are going to go one on one with the Undertaker player. So what a man, sad come on. I thought I think Dustin Rhodes' comments about it were the best. He's like, Teddy Long had to have been hacked. He can't hate this many people. Yeah. Right. I mean, he was happy that he was trending again in the video that he posted, which was kind of funny to watch. But uh hopefully we're unblocked soon. And we do want to send our condolences to Teddy over losing his wife. That's a very, very sad thing. Very sad. Can't imagine to be honest with you. That's why I'm single. The yeah. fear of a... no, definitely not. <laughs> I'm glad you cut me off because I was just going to say something ridiculous anyway. So I was going to say, or is it just because you work twenty four seven? Nah, I can't help. Oh, it doesn't. <laughs> if you're understanding, like if you're an understanding person, it's not that bad, but. You know, if you're but we not, live in 2022. People aren't understanding a shit. I mean, that's no, part of the reason for me. I feel like I'm home 10 hours a week. No, there's people in Florida that think if you shoot at the hurricane, it'll go away. Like, fight that log- logic, will you? Probably the same people that voted for Trump. Yeah, it's it's okay. You know, speaking- I go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> no, but speaking of rabbit holes that lead you down to mysterious lands and fairy tales and all the glitz and the glamour of Alice in Wonderland and a Mad Hatter and pixies and little fairies. I'm hoping everyone's catching a theme where I'm going with this because boys, Candice LeRae is back in WWE. The poison pixie has returned. You know, I hadn't heard her theme song in so long. When it first kicked in on Raw, I was like, this sounds very familiar. And then I saw the name pop up and I'm like, oh. I know none of us actually knew because we'd all stopped paying attention to the show for the for the time being because we were trying to decipher that Bray promo. And then all of a sudden, Justin messages in one of the group chat. He's like, Candice LeRae, holy shit. The first, that was the first thing I saw after looking for the promo. And I was like, what, did he, what, what, did he find a, a clue in this about Candice LeRae? And I was like, oh shit, she's, she's back. Yeah, they, uh, again, another one we weren't expecting. We were not expecting uh, her at all. Though we could have probably realized she was coming back because Johnny Gargano came back. Yeah, once Johnny came back, I was pretty much under the impression Candace wasn't too far behind. I agree, but I thought they were, I 
almost thought they were going to wait until like the draft because they've had so many returns lately, but they kind of did her return almost in the same type fashion that they did Johnny Gargano's. It just came out of nowhere. Right. Yep. I got uh, I got to say though, aside from her coming back randomly, the segment didn't do that too much for me. So I hope they give her more time to, I don't know, like cement her return, I guess. Well, like, like something was missing. It looks like they're going to be putting her in a featured spot because she's facing Dakota Kai on Raw next week. Okay, that's good enough for me. I think it was really just a... a the, the segment overall, we saw uh, Candice LeRae defeat Nikki A.S.H., and it was really for the both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, this was more of us getting back to, uh, I guess, being familiar with Candice before we, you know, we push her up. You know, that first match is really really more of a test to see how she does with the audience to see kind of what they're going to do or what, like if the, depending on what plans they have, you know, which direction they're going to take with which plans to go with is what I'm assuming is what we were watching. It was, it was a good match for, you know, being back. But after that, we saw a frustrated Nikki, you know, took her mask off and this and that. Um, that fans had filmed during the commercial break and stuff. And I believe we even saw part of that on TV. We did. So it looks like we're going to get something out of, out of Nikki ASH for this as well. But for Candace, it was more of, Hey, let's see what happens. Everything went well, the crowd popped and they went, okay, here's where we're going. Which it was, it was, an average return, I guess, you know, a lot of other returns that we've seen have, you know, had big pops. I mean, she had a good pop, but they came back on like a bigger, I don't want to say a bigger stage, but the the segment felt bigger, if that makes sense. Like their name felt more important almost, I guess is like how I want to look at it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Does that make sense to you guys? I get what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Like, it's like, all right, she's, you know, it's it's the women's roster, which, you know, it's kind of been a lackluster all around again anyway. But I feel like they're not looking at it from a fan perspective still on that. She's by herself, which... Okay, that's fine. A singles singles run, but as Alex said, it really didn't do anything for him. And realistically, there's still no storyline for her. She's just having matches. WWE is very storyline oriented. That's what draws the fans in. Aside, you know, not just the wrestling, but a lot of it's story based. Like, Justin, you witnessed me through AEW Dark Elevation where I fell asleep the third match in. It's just match after match after match after match. There's no promos. There's no storytelling to this. There's no rhyme or reason why these this guy is facing this guy or this woman is facing this woman. There's nothing to it. It's not wrong. And that's what this match had. I get it to come back and but that was it i think part of the biggest issue 
with how she was presented in her return. And it was, I don't think this one was even, I don't think you can put this one on Candice Ray or WWE uh, is the fact that even when she was in NXT, a majority of her time was spent in storylines with her husband. And now they're going and giving her her own thing. So I think part of that is it's an adjustment period. So this is one where I like, I won't, I won't think too hard. I won't sleep too hard on it because they could easily find something for her. I, I think it's just it's an adjustment period because we're not really used to seeing Candice LeRae do a lot of things in WWE without her husband. However, if they're serious about getting this tag team division for the women's division back on track, I thought of this the other day. I think Candice LeRae and Alexa Bliss would actually be a really cool tag team to go with. Nah, fuck that. Bring up Indy Hartwell. I mean, if they don't do Indy, if they go like the Indy... I, I know, I know what you're if saying. They, if they go the Indy Dexter route... Then, then yes, that is when I would say like her and Alexa, Alexa Bliss would make a cool tag team. But obviously, like if they have the option to do Candace and Indy, I mean, you kind of I feel like you have to. Yeah, Alexa Bliss needs to figure out what the fuck's going on with her character before she does anything. In all honesty, yeah, I mean it's better than towards the end of that fucking Bray Wyatt themed thing she had going on. I'm not denying that, but the fucking doll is still there. She. Walk she had to go through therapy. She's going through some stuff, man. Leave her alone. No, it's there to fucking sell dolls on WB Shop. Don't sit there and try and spin it another way. Justin, grow up. You grow up. Fuck you. Do not make me turn this podcast around, boys. <laughs> okay, I Dad, will. we're sorry. Okay, Dad, we're sorry. Damn right you're sorry. You know what else is sorry? That's Soraya promo that I watched on AEW Dynamite last night. Wait, hold sorry, on. Sorry, excuse for a promo. Hold on, wait. Did I say her name right? Like, did I just want to make sure because, you know, Britt Baker kind of did make up a good point. You've got announcers in the company and, and commentators in the company and, and others all around. I've heard a few different names. Did, did I pronounce that right? Uh, so, you you did not, and I thought I was pronouncing it the correct way before. We've all been pronouncing it wrong. It's Sir Ray. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, Soraya. Soraya. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, so the DMD was right. Fans don't know her name. I mean, when isn't she? I mean, she might be a dick about how she says things, but rarely is she actually wrong. Yeah. Uh, so, um, we were expecting her to wrestle the, the dirt sheets and everything had, had made comments that she's not medically cleared this and that. And then she tweets out, Hey, I'll see you at AEW dynamite type deal. Again, the dirt sheets freak out articles all over the place over a tweet, just one tweet, just. To, to fucking write an article you know what i mean like you gotta be shitting dixie here right. uh, i'm pretty sure i did that but i mean whatever i had to get paid so um maybe one day we'll talk about the life of a dirt sheet writer <laughs> oh my god let's just interview lee one day oh fuck um and then AEW dynamite happens she comes out She's got the jacket. She's got the fucking leather pants on. Like, 
you're kind of wondering, is she going to wrestle? She grabs a mic. She starts talking. And I don't want to say when she starts talking is where I get lost. Because <laughs> that just sounds so fucking bad. But uh, where I get lost is uh, she calls out the women's roster to come down, right? And, you know, you're expecting, like, a fucking train of women to fucking come down. Like, there's four. Fucking four women come down. I mean, we got to be understanding there's a fucking hurricane going on, and a lot of these professional wrestlers live in Florida now. But, bro, I looked through the fucking AEW women's roster last night because I couldn't believe that this was all they had for the fucking babyface side. This is all they fucking have right now. I mean, there, there's injuries, though, and then, like, with the Hurricane not being there, there's still a lot missing, like Red Velvet, Chris Statlander, Thunder Rosa. Uh, there's three right there out that Ruby weren't there. Had surgery. Mercedes. Huh? Uh, yeah. You know, so there's a lot missing uh, due to injury, and then we don't even know how many could make it for Hurricane, the, due to the Hurricanes. And that's where I get lost because she calls out all the women and that came out. I was like, why the fuck would you do that? Seriously? Like, I get like, you know, you're it's hey, I'm I'm basically she's in my opinion. I got the fucking I'm CM Punk now. I'm coming in as CM Punk. I'm going to save the women's roster. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. That's what I got out of that. And I'm like. Well, we saw how well this went for CM Punk. This well, you know, crazy. I feel I feel like Paige actually had more of a right to say something like that than Punk did because Punk didn't really come in and save anybody. Like he tries to he tries to take credit a lot for some of the smaller guys getting spots on the show, but that was more or less, in my opinion, I give that to Daniel Bryan slash Brian Danielson for like main eventing WrestleMania thirty, winning. I think he did more for the to the smaller guys in that company than Punk did. But Paige actually like was along with Sneil Dashwood or Emma, as she was known as back then. Paige was actually responsible for kickstarting the women's revolution and never got credit for it. So if anybody's got a right to say something like that, I feel like Paige does over Punk. Well, I want to point out she also had a little age of the McGillicuddy moment in this promo where she goes, She was the revolution here, and she'll be the revolution because this is the revolution. And uh, I, I, I don't know if she went out there and just had no clue what she was going to say and she was just going to wing it, but that's how it came off as, because this just went off the rails quick. I feel like this this promo was more so just overproduced. I feel like we've seen so many promos that you can 100% tell had Vince McMahon's fingerprints all over it, or like Bruce Pritchard. Like it, you could tell it was heavily produced, almost to the point where you were told to say something. My theory is, is because of so many women missing the show due to the the hurricane down in Florida that I almost feel like Tony Khan tried to overproduce this and then tried to tell them what to say, because it does. it's not like Paige to do this in a promo or Soraya, as we should call her now. This was it, this was a a train wreck in my opinion. It was just bad. Like I, I was watching this while you guys were in the group chat. And I'm like, and I, in all seriousness, I'm sitting, I'm watching this going, why? Like, if you had this done ahead of time and produced ahead of time, 
knowing with how many people showed up, I would have just completely fucking changed it because that was terrible. Or scrap the segment, scrap the segment. So like the next week when maybe the hurricanes died down a little bit, if that is the cause for it and just like, say like you could come up with a storyline as to why Soraya wasn't there. It could, it could, they could literally have kickstarted something with her and Britt Baker. Like they could have like had a pre-taped anything. There's so many other things they could have done and then went more for her talking next week. You know, what could have turned this whole segment around? I think is if, Soraya went out there, paid, or excuse me, Britt Baker interrupts her. You know, it's Jamie Hayter, Rebel, Penelope Ford, Serena Deeb, whatever. They surround the ring. They act, act like they're going to jump her. And then you have Tony Storm and the whole fucking babyface woman's roster come out for the save. And then you go in your woman's title match. I, I mean, like- yeah, you would have set, you would have gotten to the same ending right. that we got, but you could have done it in a way that hyped the fans up more. Right. You know me. I- I'm going to blame Tony Khan. I'd really like to know what Rebels getting paid in AEW for literally doing nothing, by the way. Probably more, probably more than we'll make in a lifetime, brother. I don't know about that. Probably more than I'll make in a lifetime, brother. I, I see her as like a hundred thousand dollar person, and I don't and that's like honestly being fair, I think. More than me. I mean it's it, like, really, like, what are you doing there? Like, pay me $100,000 a year. I'll go fucking just walk Six. someone out to the ring and look pretty. I mean, isn't that most of the time basically what Jake Hager does for Chris Jericho? Yeah, yeah I, I noticed he, he wasn't was. there then. He was. he was missing, too. Yeah, I noticed that. He wasn't with the celebration. I was, that was like, because I was like, wait a second, like, what the fuck? They just have him disappear for a while, and then he shows up, beats the fuck out of people, and leaves. And, like, yeah, and, like, you figured he'd be with, like, Daniel Garcia on this, because, like, he's more of the pro wrestler than sports entertainer, to be honest with you. I still think this whole Daniel Garcia thing is a ruse, and I think it's meant to eventually build up more towards a rivalry between him and Brian Danielson. Because just something about it, the way that Daniel Garcia has kind of taken Brian Danielson's side so quickly and so easily just doesn't seem in lieu for the character that he was playing in the JAS right before that. So I still think this is some sort of setup. I don't think they would do that twice. Although like it also had me wondering like how many fucking celebrations is Jericho going to have and it gets interrupted. Like seems like everyone he does like it's interrupted. Hey, don't, dis- don't disrespect the Ocho, okay? Yeah, don't disrespect the Ocho. Well, listen, I'm not the one disrespecting the Ocho because I'm not the one interrupting his segments. Yeah, fair. I mean, I think he's just due for having all these segments interrupted because how many segments has Chris Jericho's countdown music in WWE interrupted people over the years? Yeah, fair enough. That, never that's... forget never forget when he destroyed the New Day's New Year's segment. <laughs> Don't disrespect the new day like that. You know, so back to bad segments. Uh, th- this Soraya uh, segment was terrible, and you can tell because the crowd was hot for it at first. And you can tell when they when the crowd realized, yo, this is fucking terrible. They were it's- dead silent 
And when Soraya called over for Tony Storm and announces that the match was going to be for the AEW Women's Championship with her between Serena Deeb, the crowd did not give a flying fuck. It doesn't look like Soraya gave a flying fuck either. I mean, no, not that she didn't give a fuck, but she looked uncomfortable in that segment. Something... Something about that segment either got rushed or wasn't planned or came up at the last second. I got to believe that wasn't the original segment because everybody looked so uncomfortable in it. Like they had no time to rehearse it almost. Well, and the other part that like made me like kind of wonder with the overproducing L is she only had the mic for like maybe a minute and... Uh, over by the timekeeper and Justin Roberts, she's like, oh, oh, so you want me to stop talking now? Oh, we're running over time. Oh, well, I'm just going to continue to run over time. And then right, like brings up. And then it went on for like even longer, which it was just like. OK, so that was a planned spot because like she went on for like another five minutes after that. Oh, yeah, they did that on purpose. That was the. That was the type of promo that you get from any former WWE superstar that shows up in a company because they try and take a shot at how overproduced WWE can be. You see it all the time. I've seen it when Punk came back, when uh, Alberto Del Rio was at Impact. You literally get that so many times whenever someone from WWE shows up on another show. Yeah, and like, it's like I was sitting there thinking about it. I was like, wow, this is going on for a while, and they're just letting it happen. Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, no, someone like Tony Khan would come out and like shut that shit down type deal. But like, I thought about that after, you know, if I was in a producer's shoes, like Khan or triple H or, you know, who who's ever running these segments, I would literally just start the next segment, even if they're going, just shut the fucking mics down and be like, okay, well, I'm the boss. I'm going to prove my fucking point. I'm the boss. And at the end of the day, you need to remember that I'm the boss. And I would just have like whatever the next match is supposed to be. You just have that wrestler walk out. I don't care if it's a women's segment. I don't care if it's a men's segment. It doesn't matter to me. That's the one thing we've seen Vince do over the years. And that, like, I almost kind of agree with. We've seen, like, I mean, specifically, Vince specifically did this to a lot of women segments. If they would start running over and, like, he felt that they didn't care, like, there would just be, like, matches that would be next where the men would just make entrances. We've seen Kevin Owens do it. We've seen Randy Orton do it. And then they have these stare downs with the women, like, they're actually doing something. And in reality, it's just, no, you fucking ran over and no one gives a fuck anymore. Right. Yeah. You know, so overproduced, uh, awkwardness, maybe not planned out as well, maybe nervousness or, or something happened because this was not a good segment. And to me, that just says that now she needs to either step it up make up for that bad segment or get in the ring. Like now is like, I don't know if she knows it was cringeworthy. I don't know if AEW thinks it's cringeworthy. I don't know if, you know, there's chapped 
ass kissing lips in AEW that are about to tell her it was a great segment and get an awkward hug. But uh, no, that segment sucked. And you can tell because the crowd, crowd wasn't feeling it. It was over. You know, at that point, you need to uh, try and move on. And, and that's what it seem, seemed like they tried to do with the announcement of it's a title match. And at that point, the fans were just too far gone, didn't give a fuck. I'm shocked we didn't get a boring chant, to be honest with you. Right. You know, that, that was uh, that was rather sad, but there, there was a good segment, and, and it doesn't come from WWE. It doesn't come from AEW. It comes from Impact Wrestling. Yeah, uh, yeah, like Impact Wrestling. And it comes at Victory Road, nonetheless, as former NXT and former AEW star Bobby Fish shows up. And uh, this was uh, quite an interesting uh, promo he cut. I will say this. It's very typical, though. You walk into a new company. You're hot. You're heated. And he threw some shots. Kind of let loose a little bit. Justin, what do you think of his promo at Victory Road? I mean, it seems like actually he brought it up in the promo. I mean, he's been a lightning bolt of controversy recently. And yeah, there's some fucking truth to that when you really think about it. Is he um, as controversial as he thinks he is, though? It, it, look, with, with everything kind of happened at once, everything dropped that day, and then he showed up on Impact. So, I mean, you know, I didn't really think it was anything different other than the usual, oh, I'm here in this company now because this company didn't want me and this company fired me. That's how I looked at it, honestly. I made a point to Lee, though, and I think this is its interesting now, and it really shows the diversity that we have in wrestling now, is that normally when a talent shows up from another company, and usually specifically for this example, that company is WWE, they show up, like I had just said in the Soraya segment, they show up and make subtle shots at WWE over and over again, and then it's basically along the lines of, I'm here and I can do what I want to do now and I can entertain you like I wasn't allowed to before, but it's funny with Bobby Fish's promo as it wasn't more shots at WWE as it was subtle shots at AEW instead. Right. And you know, I just, as you bring that up, remember when fucking Alberto El Patron was an impact for like a year mm-hmm. and they had to like start cutting his mic because he would just go overboard with the WB shots. Oh, we would start mentioning Vince McMahon by name all the time. Like, literally, they would have to cut his mic because at the end of the night, after the tapings, he would just go, you know what time it is, everyone! Honestly, that was my favorite part of his run, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, there was a spot not with Impact Wrestling. Uh, Bobby Fish had recently worked an independent show. And... It was a small show, not going to lie. Bobby Fish 
comes out. And I mean, it's a small show, Justin, you've been to indie shows, Alex, you've been to indie shows yeah, uh, where I, they've got a, where they've got a couple hundred, where they've got a couple hundred people. This one had like 50, right? He comes out and like, no one's clapping and he's like trying, he's yelling at the fans to cheer for him, to clap for him, to get off their fat asses and this and that. And to start, you know, it's a wrestling show. Come on. Throughout the entire match, like this kid had highlights on TikTok of it. Bobby Fish is fighting with the fans for not cheering during the match, like literally stopping the match and going outside to yell at fans for not clapping and cheering and this and that. The match is over and he's still on the way out, still arguing with fans for, again, not getting off their fat asses and clapping. One big dude actually stands up to him and uh, Bobby Fish is like, you need to fucking cheer for wrestling and you need to clap your fucking hands and this and that. And I'm like, uh, so somebody has gone off their rocker and if Jim Cornette sees this, he's going to have a fucking field day. Right. So he's the modern day version of Austin Aries, basically having an issue with everything and everyone. That's, that's what I had in my head too. Actually. So that's that's kind of like the logist of what I got. But like watching him from the indie show, I was like, okay, dude. I don't know if it, this is like some sort of new gimmick he's trying out. I don't know if he stopped taking his medication. But uh, something does not seem right. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know if I'm reading into things too much, but it's definitely interesting because uh, wrestlers that have gone down the Austin Aries route uh don't come back to tv isn't that right leo rush so basically aside from leo like you were just saying most of the control your narrative uh staff yeah i'm kind of surprised we haven't seen tessa blanchard there yet she's been fired from everywhere else well they're not gonna see her there because it was just revealed that all of their staff has been let go it seems like carrying cross and Braun Strowman's return to wwe has kind of fucked things up or control your narrative control that narrative asshole yeah bitch. <laughs> fuck it ec3 yo ec3 had two two guys like and that's what he was building everything on i mean that sucks though to be honest with you but uh you know, someone needs to make a meme of when that announcement was made that all of their staff was let go, and it should just say EC3 after learning that his entire company fell to shambles, and it should just show him that in those uh, spots on Raw where he was in the corner of a room just drinking from a red Solo cup, really sad. Maybe, uh, maybe EC3 could get the Velveteen Dream for Control Your Narrative. Too soon. Too soon. Ouch. Ouch. Well, rest in peace. Control your narrative. Now, rest in peace. Bro, they're going to be bigger than AEW. You heard Braun Strowman. (laughs) That was Adam uh, Shearer, not Braun Strowman. Yeah, different people, Justin, grow up. Ah, you're right. I'm sorry. They look alike. Yeah, Justin, grow up. 
you really need to grow up. Oh, and you know what else? You know what else, Justin? We are going to end the show in a very fitting way. We are going to end with a Danhausen tribute now. How does that sound? Are you kidding me? Yep. No, stop. Yeah. 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 Give me your shoes. Yeah. Put this at the fucking end because everyone's tuning out at this point. Yeah. Give me, give me monies. First. I'm glad he was on fucking dark this week. Fuck him. Who do you face? Uh, it was the best friends and him when a, or no, it was uh, Trent, Trent, Chuck, and Rocky Romero and Danhausen. I don't know who the fuck they face. So they won. Yeah, not because of Danhausen though. No, it was because of Danhausen. It's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, some special news for you all. On Friday, which this episode comes out, and actually when this episode comes out, 12.30 Eastern time, the Perch Correspondent and I will have a special vlog for you all as I travel to Albany, New York, as Justin and I will be interviewing from Impact Wrestling, Jordan Grace and Heath, a.k.a. Heath Slater. Uh, you can also check them out at Heroes Hideout. Heath will be there from 5 to 6 with Jordan 6 to 7, signing free autographs at Heroes Hideout in Colony Mall. That'll be pretty cool. So make sure you check... Uh, that out this week we'll have those interviews up on youtube and we will have them uh on the podcast so we'll have a special episode uh for those to come out with so just make sure you're following our podcast anywhere and everywhere podcasts are found apple google spotify stitcher podbean podbay red circle you name it we're there it's perched on the top rope. And for all of you in all those countries that have had us on Chartable, including being number one in Indonesia, a high in Canada of, oh, hell, I don't even remember what we were. Oh, uh, Great Britain, 140s, 130s, America, 88, Germany, a high of 14, Australia, 50. Oh, help me out, Alex. What else did we have? Did you say Ireland? I said Ireland. There's a ton of Germany. Them. We were in America at one point. We had seven or eight different countries, man. It's been a hell of a ride. Thank you for all the fans in all those countries that tune in and listen to us each and every week here on Perched on the Top Rope. Those interviews that we mentioned will also be on YouTube with the fabulous editing skills of the adorable one. Absolutely. We just dropped the full interview today for Netflix star and indie pro wrestler Randy Wentworth. He appeared on Snowflake Mountain on Netflix. He has been slowly trying to take over the indie scene. He kind of takes some inspiration from some of your biggest wrestlers. If you want to know who it is, go over to Perch on the Top Rope on YouTube and they will tell you there. That is YouTube.com slash Perch on the Top Rope. Now, if you want some 
awesome Selena scenes of the greatest professional wrestling moments. Some are sad. Some are very happy ones. You can find us on TikTok at Perched on the Top Rope. Lee and I, Lee and I have taken that on as a joint effort now. We are coming with a very aggressive stance on our TikTok page. We're going to start giving some more fun content. You know, we, we have what we have on there, but Lee and I recently were like, you know what? We need to start taking some of our actual dark humor, regular humor, all sorts of the funny things you would normally see on TikTok and start applying it to the TikTok page. So Lee and I are taking a joint effort to start bringing some fucking hilarious things to the TikTok page. Yeah. And, you know, if Selena scenes aren't your thing from uh, My Heart Will Go On by, you know, Celine Dion from Titanic, because that song makes everything better. You can also watch WCW legend, the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, get humped by a dog. That's right. The Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, getting humped by a dog. It is TikTok perched on the top rope. And something we're also going to do since Creed, My Sacrifice, is hands down the best song to use for wrestling not just great wrestling moments, but career highlights for the likes of Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash, Undertaker, you name it. Uh, we're going to be doing highlights, career highlights with Creed's My Sacrifice. It's TikTok perched on the top rope. You can find us at Instagram perched on the top rope podcast, where you can find all our hilarious content of memes, dark humor, and sarcastic wrestling uh, related photographs and things from on this day in professional wrestling history. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash perched on the top rope. You can also find us on Twitter at perched top rope. You can find Justin vlogging at youtube.com slash in Justin, we trust. And ladies and gentlemen, remember spoiler freeze the way to be. We're out. Dan house and fucking socks. Yeah!